Hello, sci-fi fans. This is Dr. Weir, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Live long and prosper. Bad feeling about this. So say we all. This is going to get pretty interesting. Define interesting. Oh, God, oh, God, we're all going to die? Only try to realize the truth. There is no spoon. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 92. Mm-hmm. Miles, how in the heck are you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks. How are you doing? I'm great. My name's Scott Herzog, by the way. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. Yeah, and so we are here bringing you this episode of the Diner. This will be the last episode of the Diner we record until after Farpoint, right? I believe so, yeah. I think that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So we will be on break next week, mm-hmm. but we'll be back Hot in the saddle, bringing you maybe some fresh interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we have an interview in the can for pieces of series, and uh, we'll be interviewing the Mercury Men coming up, and Iron Sky, and a lot of good stuff that's coming up through. So, and just spend a little time at a sci-fi convention, which will be good too. Oh yeah, we certainly have some interviews coming up with that. Tom Panic and uh, who's the lady again? Uh, uh, Lauren Holden. Oh, Lauren Holden's The Walking Dead. We don't have that confirmed. Oh, that's right. Uh, uh, Benita Friese. Yeah, so a lot of interviews coming up, so we're excited to bring them in the diner. But tonight, we have a good menu. And it's not, we tried to make it a little bit light news, although we do have some news stories for you as well. So tonight, Miles, we have our interview with Nick Marsh, the author of the Conduit Sequence series. He's a British author. And what's really cool about him, he's a vet, a veterinarian and an author. Very cool. Kind of a cool mix. You know, we, I don't think we've ever interviewed a veterinarian author. Mm, that'll be a first. Yeah. No trivia tonight. We're going to be, we're going to bring the trivia back into things once we get back from the convention. And we do have a good trivia question lined up, but we just aren't going to give that tonight. We're going to talk about our first look at Steven Spielberg's series, Terra Nova. Um, and we're trying to talk about the seven sci-fi series that are in danger of not seeing another season. Mm. Yeah, not good. Um, we have some news in the Smallville finale, when that'll air, and maybe what a little bit to expect. The Battlestar Galactica news, and this is not Blood and Chrome, but this is the online game that launched today. I believe it's in beta, from, and it's in Hamburg, so it's very cool that that uh, launched, and we'll give you some news and links for that as well. Um, on movie news, we have the Wolverine. We're going to give you some news about Wolverine and Iron Sky. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And then, you know, I thought that we, what we do, Miles, for the bulk of the show is really talk about some of the trailers that aired during the Super Bowl. Did you watch the Super Bowl, Miles? No, I had to work. And a lot of our, and a lot of our listeners will not have watched Super Bowl, but we are going to talk about the commercials, the sci-fi commercials that aired during the Super Bowl. Uh, and we'll play them here in the show and then talk about our impressions of them, whether we're going to go see them, what we think about them, and so forth. Does that sound cool? Sounds cool. Yeah, sounds good. We have some uh, Trek news, a little bit of in this week in Star Trek. And, uh, you're talking about, you're talking about Rick Berman, looks back at the 18 years of Trek, and then, uh, a little bit more information on Daryl still needing our help. So, ways to help him. And our Sci-Fi 5 and 5 is given to us by Nick Marsh, the author. Oh, very good. So he has this top 
top five sci-fi movies. So it'll be good to hear uh, what this British author has to uh, tell us about sci-fi. So very cool. So a lot of good news, a lot of good stuff coming out in the show tonight. And, um, and I'm, I'm ready to go. It's going to be good. Let's serve. Let's, let, yeah, let's, let's serve it up. Mm-hmm. Before we get into our, the bulk of our show, though, let's start with a promo tonight. We're going to play a promo from the Dan and Lee's Midnight Movie Club. Make sure you check them out, especially the latest episode with Uncle Buck. And um, that is, of course, we're, I'm on that episode. That's oh. the one where I give my top three 90s movies. Very cool. So very cool. So check them out. Here's their promo. <laughs> Hello, I'm Dan and this is Lee. Hello. And together we are Lee and Dan's Midnight Movie Club. You see, every week we come together and we review classic popcorn movies of the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> For example, so far we've reviewed Teen Wolf. Which is great. Teen Wolf 2. Which was awful. The Last Starfighter. Which was great. Cannonball Run. Awful. Army of Darkness. Awesome. <laughs> Police Academy. Mission to Moscow. Not so awesome. Worst film in the history of mankind. And Pee-wee's Big Adventure. The second worst film in the history of mankind. So if you want to hear more about highly intelligent, uh, incisive film critique, come over to midmoclub.com. That's M-I-D-M-O club.com and check out our podcast. Or you could just type Midnight Movie Club into iTunes if you have iTunes. Yes. If you don't have it, it'll be harder. That's right. So we'll hope we'll uh, you'll listen to us soon. Uh, to be fair, though, I quite like Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Well, you're an idiot. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We have a lot of news tonight, some TV and movie news mostly, and then obviously this week in Star Trek. And we're going to start off with some news um, about Terra Nova. This is a project we've been hearing a lot about, Miles. Yes, and especially uh, Steven Spielberg is behind it. Yeah, and um, apparently a big whopper of a budget. Do you remember they, this thing was supposed to be astronomical to make? Right, I do remember that. Well, with Spielberg behind it, it's no wonder. But uh, he should have the, you know, he should be able to find the money for it somehow. If anyone can, it's him. Mm-hmm. Well, tell us a little bit about the news that came out about Terra Nova. Well, this is the this is where the background. Um, it centers around the Shannon family from the year twenty one forty nine, and uh, during the Super Bowl, we got our f- first sneak peek at a trailer for the series. The Shannon family lives in an overcrowded and overpopulated future where most of the, the planet, plant, and animal life has gone extinct. Sounds a little too real, as there is no feasible way to reverse the damage to the planet caused by humans. A team of scientists opened a space-time continuum portable that allows the family to travel 150 million years into the past. What they I wonder f- how many gigawatts of electricity that takes. That <laughs> where's Doctor Brown when you need him? I know. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, what they find is Terra Nova, a world that with blue skies, bountiful vegetation, and new beginning for the travelers. But not all as it seems. For the family, it is soon to be found that something sinister awaits them. Doesn't it always. Mm-hmm. And when does this air, Miles? This will air uh, um, May 23rd at 9 p.m. It's a two-parter, so it's, so it's good Monday, Monday, May 23rd, and Tuesday, May 24th. Right, at 9 p.m., and that's on Fox, which means they'll cancel it right away. Unfortunately. <laughs> no, no. But, maybe, uh, we, go ahead. Maybe not. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Well, we want to play you the trailer for it, and then we'll talk a little bit about our impressions about the trailer. But we obviously are a little bit excited about it. That's going to be on my DVR, I think. Yep. Most, you know, the great thing about this is it's coming in after a lot of our shows are done. We'll have time to, yeah. And we'll have a little bit more time to mm-hmm. watch it. But here's a trailer, a 30-second trailer. This is a spot that aired during the Super Bowl. 
citizens of 2149. We destroyed our home. The world you left behind fell victim to greed, war. We have been entrusted with a second chance to get it right. We did the right thing, didn't we? Come here. Welcome to Terra Nova. We're starting over. It's a family. Welcome to paradise. Come on! Miles, first impression of this. Um, looks pretty freaking cool. <laughs> it does. You know, we haven't really had a good dinosaur series on TV for a while, have we? No, no, no it's been quite some time. And this, you know, the, the, the CGI looks good. Um, it's Spielberg. It better look good. It would be like you know, Jurassic Park, you know, every, you know, pretty much you know, every week now. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and the 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 budget that it took to make Jurassic Park, obviously they can do it much easier with CGI and the technology. So I don't I don't view the dinosaurs really looking that cheesy. I would think. No, I thought well, I mean, I mean Jurassic Park, I thought looked pretty good first right. time. I mean, and he, I think even even now, even still, now I think it still holds up. Yeah, but even but that's been like that's over fifteen years ago now. So I think. Uh, um, with with today's technology, it, it won't be as costly to to make these effects, and maybe they'll probably be able to improve upon them too. Yeah, well, you know, I'm excited about Terranova, and I think this commercial just whets my appetite a little bit more and puts me an edge. And it looks like humanity can go into the past, but it's still humanity, basically. Right, but it's a, it's it's an interesting premise. Uh, the, pretty much, we 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 fell off the planet, and so our only you know recourse is to tr- travel back in time. Uh, before we fouled up the planet. Right, so we can foul up the planet earlier, basically. That was, that was saying, it, well, it, it seems like a, a temporal causality loop. You know? I know, <laughs> I know. So, oh, I don't know. Um, well, I'm excited about Let us know if you are excited about Terra Nova. We, we're kind of excited about this. I'm very okay. interested in it, yeah. Uh, well, this came out today, and I thought we'd just talk about it. Seven. Uh, the title of this news uh, story is Seven Sci-Fi Series That Are in Danger of Not Seeing Another Season. Hmm. And that's not good. You know, we always have sci-fi shows that we love, some that make it, and some that just don't quite cut it. Um, so this basically reads this. Looking forward to seeing how the alien invasion plays out in V, having fun with the complicated capers of human target, rooting for Peter and Olivia to get uh, together and fringe, based on a couple of people who should know we'd all better enjoy these shows while we still got the chance. Over at Entertainment Weekly, Lynn Rice and James Hilbert published a list of every 2010-2011 broadcast show along with its chances of survival. And it looks like a number of our sci-fi favorites are in limbo between renewal and cancellation. So here are the things that they said. First of all, these are the shoe-ins, the things that are a sure, sure thing for next season. Big Bang Theory and Vampire Diaries. Mm-hmm. No surprise with Big Bang Series, especially with its nod at the Globes. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah so you would, it would be stu- it would be stupid for that. Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, Nikita, I have not watched the show. I've heard about it, but I've not watched it. I did didn't even know it was still on TV. So, oh uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. It, well, it just it premiered this last mm-hmm. year. New new uh, new episodes of it um, could go either way, and this is where we get into some of the limbo. Chuck and I've kind of heard this about Chuck Fringe. Um, yeah, no surprise there that it's kind of limbo, although mm-hmm. I think it's Friday showing is good. Mm-hmm. I think first numbers are good for Friday. And um, Supernatural, no surprise that that could go either way, although I did hear rumors that this was its final season. That's what I heard, too. Yeah. So I'm surprised it's even on this list. Yeah, it probably, you know, 
I think it's its final season. I could be wrong about that. Listeners, if you know, let us know. But I think that I heard that it, it along with Smallville, is its final season of it. Hmm. So I don't know. We'll see. The ones that are in the danger zone, Miles, there are some of our favorites here. I'm a lover of Human Target. Human hmm. Target, they're saying, is in the danger zone. Nor near family. That would make you sad. Yeah, I'm enjoying New Orleans Family, so that'd be yeah, too bad. Yeah, be too bad. The event is a show that we uh, we just got done talking with Dylan, um, Bobby from Canada. He's a fan of the event. We're, we we like the event. We like the event, and uh, hope they could bring it back. Our listeners are going to comment on the fact that it might be a little bit too long of a break for the event to come back. It they're is. Not, they're not coming back till after the Cape. So, you know, we still have another the, five episodes of The Cape. These long hiatuses are networks Never every good. head. It's bad, very bad. And, and V, we've heard rumors that V is in trouble all season. And, again, a long break for V. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm enjoying this, this uh, season. Me, me too. Me too. That's yeah, good. And then these are the ones he said are dead and buried. Okay. So The Cape. Not a real shocker. They cut it from 13 to 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. In fact, in our listener feedback show, we have a lot of people that are commenting on that, on the Cape. They really did not, I mean, I guess. They didn't give it a chance, really, but. I mean, pretty much after the first or second episode, it was the NBC was like, okay, we're It cool. did hit a series low. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I wonder when news comes out they're gonna cancel a show or that is cut in series if people don't just kind of give up in a series right away. You know, why invest the time if it's not gonna be around? Yeah, I still am. I haven't watched this week's episode, but I'm excited about that. Medium, can care less about. And Sma- they put Smallville in here. Of course, it's that and buried. This is the final season. But but it's not because Smallville's not. It, 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 it's just they've decided we're pulling the plug right. after ten seasons. It's, it's time. It's it's not because they it's they don't have the ratings or anything like that. It's just you know it's yeah. just when they're doing it. So let us know what you think of this list. They don't even have Stargate on there, but I guess Stargate's already buried. You right. know what they you know what they did? They don't have many of the cable shows like Sanctuary is not on, which has been renewed. Mm-hmm. Um Being Human is cable. That's a cable series, right? Yeah. So sci fi. Yeah. So that's not on and uh, so I don't know. They don't have it. And I think that you know, Walking Dead's not on. Mm-hmm. They're, they're talking about series that are currently on network television, I think, mm. is kind of the, the feel for that. Well, even though, I guess, so that's it, that list. Let us know what you think of it. Um, but even though Smallville is down in the dead zone, we do have some news on Smallville. This leads in pretty well. Right. Well, um, I saw when the, when, when the last one is going to air. Uh, so Smallville finale will air May 13th. A two-hour episode will feature Darkseid. Uh, CW has announced the schedule for the final episode of their hit series Small, which will wrap up its 10-year run May 13th at the two-hour finale at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The exact plot and title of the final episode are still in wraps, but the official press release des- describes the finale as follows. The story of a young Clark Kent, played by Tom Welling, and his journey to become the Man of Steel has captivated audiences for a decade. This final season, Clark attempts to find a balance between saving the world, which becomes even more difficult as the Vigilante Registration Act separates a nation and spending time with his new fiancée, Lois Lane, played by Erica Durant. Whether it's donning glasses as a disguise, uh, changing a phone booth, or learning how to fly, this season has put Clark closer to his destiny than ever before. Taking on Dark Side and battling the dark, darkest of his demons, this two-hour event will send Clark soaring towards his uh, birthright to secure his place in history as the world's greatest protector. Paying homage to ten seasons is no small task, and wrapping up each character and story arc has been extremely important to everyone involved in the show. So the executive producers, Brian Peterson and Kelly Souders, were excited to be able to uh, 
make the final moments of Smallville's tele- a television event. As a character we've grown up with uh, makes his legendary transformation. All fans will be disappointed to see the show leave the airwaves. They won't have too long to wait until uh, uh, Henry Cavill offers a different take in the role of Clark Kent in Zack Snyder's theatrical Superman reboot arriving in theaters December 2012. Yeah, very cool. So you've been, you've been watching Smallville. I have, and um, unfortunately, um, I, I missed uh, the opening um, uh, the opening show. What happened to my DVR was it said it had taped the new episode, but it actually taped Vampire Diaries. And then, um, it's a sign, it's a sign, Miles. You're supposed to watch Vampire Diaries. Oh man, I, I hope not. I really do. <laughs> uh, and then, then it, it really did air last Friday, but my DVR didn't record it because it considered a rerun. So I don't know what happened. Um, so, um, <laughs> so you I'm, missed it. I, mean, I, I, yeah, I, I like, I saw the last 15 minutes of the first episode. Has he flown? Um, in, in reality, not in his dreams, not in a flashback. Not, not, not really. really. Not, so yeah. they do make it sound like he's going to soar here. They, he's going to fly by the end. They yeah. have, he has to fly. He has to fly, yeah. If he doesn't, it's stupid. Why? He can't after 10 years, after yeah. After 10 years, he better fly. Right. So that's just it. I mean, we see a lot of his other abilities, but... Mm-hmm. We want to see him fly. Yeah, we definitely do. Well, one other piece of news uh, in TV news, and that is Battlestar Galactica has <laughs> released uh, Battlestar Galactica Online. So if you're an MMO player... You can play either human and Cylon and battle for control of the universe. So here's just a little bit of write-up about this. I won't read the whole thing, and I'll put the entire story in our show notes if you want to check it out. But basically, here's the deal. In partnership with Sci-Fi, um, Hamburg, a big point, the global market leader in browser-based massively multiplayer online games, MMOGs, today launched Battlestar Galactica Online, based on the internationally popular sci-fi television series. Produced by the Universal Cable Productions, Battlestar Galactica Online is a free-to-play browser-based space and combat MMOG that combines high-quality 3D graphics with intense gameplay. Following a successful closed beta period that started late 2010, the free-to-play game can now be enjoyed by players worldwide. Um, David Icke, executive producer of Battlestar Galactica, said the big point is successfully embraced the spirit of Battlestar Galactica's aggressive ship design, tactile physics, and a signature uh, Virtus-style um, combat aesthetic and taking it um, to an entirely new level. Playing this game is like watching the most high-adrenalized, nail-biting episodes of the series while chewing on a hunk of uranium. That's a good line. <laughs> Let me read that again. Nail-biting episodes of the series while chewing on a hunk of uranium. I highly recommend it. Just make sure you don't have anything else to do for a few days. That's the last thing I need. Something that sucks up my time like that. But if there, I mean, this is coming from them. So uh, check it out. Uh, we'll put links. It's at, Here's the, the URL. is battlestar-galactica.bigpoint.com. It's free to play. Check it out. Let us know what you think of Battlestar Galactica Online. I have a half a mind to check it out. I'm tempted. That's, you know... Yeah, just what you need. You know, you start at least you don't have to pay a monthly fee for it. Right, right. So, uh, but uh, as I say, you get what you pay for. So we'll see how good it is. Let us know if you like it or not. Hmm. Well, let's move into movie news. Why don't you go ahead? I have you giving the story on Iron Sky. Do you want me to do Wolverine? Or you want to do Iron why don't you Sky? Do, why don't you do Wolverine? I'll do the Wolverine. The Wolverine. Mm-hmm. This is movie news. Um, basically, Hugh Jackman talks about his new look and the story, and we're excited. I love the last Wolverine movie, although some people didn't. Um, it was a good good for me. But I here's what, too. Yeah, here's what um, Jackman uh, 
Here's what Jackman is saying about his movie. Darren said with the last one, hey, you look great, but you're still, you're, you're so tall and those long shots, you look kind of like Clint Eastwood and that's not Wolverine. He said that Wolverine in the comics is a powerful stocky, you know, he's short and thick. So he said, I want you to go, go there and get bigger. He's going to come down after he gets done with the black tie events over and done with. After finally being able to tackle the iconic Japan storyline from Cliff Claremont and Frank Miller's 1982 Wolverine miniseries, I feel like the planets are finally aligned to make a great movie. We finally have the character with the mythology ever since the 2000 Brian Singer film, X-Men, when I was kind of hanging around reading these comics because I was cast before I ever read any X-Men comics. So I was trying to get my hands on everything. I remember saying to producer Lauren Schuler Donner, Lauren, I don't know about you, but I've seen this Japanese story. I think it's so good. It's genius. It's brilliant. So it's following the Japanese storyline. No real news there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's going to be a stockier Wolverine. I guess he's going to be a... Uh Bulking up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, and he is. When you see the comics, he's thick. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. so and he's definitely not like Hugh Jackman in that way. Mm-hmm. So if we can get him really thick and built and bulky. He'll look like, you know. He'll look like, look like the real Wolverine. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of exciting. Miles, tell us a little bit about Iron Sky. Well, I heard about this uh, sometime last year. And yeah, now, we, re- we reported on it last mm-hmm. year, I think. And then we got, we got some we got some more information about it. Uh, so Iron Sky, it's a wrap. Uh, sci-fi black comedy finishes principal photography um, Friday, uh, February 4th uh, this year. Back in December, we told you that the retro uh, sci-fi black comedy film being developed by uh, Finland's Energy Productions entitled Iron Sky was half done, according to the director, uh, Timo uh, Verensola. Uh, now principal photography has completed on the film and the crew needs some rest. But heading into post-production, they're still looking for some talented visual effects pros that want to spend some time in Finland finishing the film. Oh, I'll go to Finland. I think it's probably going to be cold in Finland. Yeah, but you're going to get into the summer. I don't know. It could be good. Anyways, go ahead. So it, it's a wrap. Iron Sky finishes principal photography. Um, um, the Finnish, German, Australian co-production has finished principal photography in, in Queensland, Australia. Iron Sky is a dark science fiction comedy where Nazis fled to the moon in 1945 and in 2018 they're coming back. Iron Sky took about nine uh, weeks to shoot, half of which took place in Frankfurt, Germany, and the second half at the Village uh, Roadshow Studios at, at Queensland, Australia. We've been working on Iron Sky uh, 24-7 for years and it's amazing to think this part of my uh, work is finally done, said the director of the film, uh, Timo Verensola. Of course, I'll be involved in the post-production editing too, but I can't help but feel dazed. During these years, we've met such a big bunch of uh, great, talented people. And it makes me a bit melancholy, melancholy to think that we won't be uh, seeing them in quite a while, not before the premiere of Iron Sky in about one year's time. Plans for the future? In short term, they include uh, sleeping for 40 hours straight, said Vern Sola. Yeah, so, you know, we, we haven't had a good Nazi movie in a long time, have we? Right, and I wonder if it's just, uh, um, I don't know, just the age we live in. I mean... Uh, being uh, more sensitive, more oh, further removed. I mean, Indiana Jones. That's the only one I could think of. You know, good Nazi movies. I guess Schindler's List, but that's a different type of movie. That, that was more serious. I mean, I mean, you're you're right. Indiana Jones. That took place in the eighties. Well, I guess. Um, what about Inglorious? <coughs> it's not Inglorious. What was the one? It's not Inglorious Bastards. That wasn't that. 
Which was the one with Tom Cruise? Oh, um, that uh, was Valkyrie, a, right? Yeah, or uh, Valkyrie. Yeah, so that was that was Nazi based, mm-hmm. I guess, but nothing real sci fi that we've done in a while. Cast, yeah, sci fi or, or, or comedic. I mean, and uh, this almost have. I mean, it's black. It has a little bit of comedy to it. The fact that you have Nazis that are Nazis living on the moon. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of bizarre. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is kind of cool. Uh, we will embed. We won't play the trailer now, but we will embed the trailer in the show notes. You got to check it out if you didn't check out the trailer before. We have. An interview coming up with this guy early in March, Miles. I oh. set up an interview with the director Very good. Um, of Iron Sky, so we'll, we'll be able to talk to him a little bit more about his movie and talk about the return of the Nazi genre. Ooh. So excited about that. Can't wait to uh, see a little bit more about that. All right, Miles. Well, this is the time of the show. We're going to talk a little bit about the commercials that aired during the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and there were a ton of science fiction uh, type trailers in the Super Bowl. I know you didn't watch it because you were working, but Let's go ahead. We're going to run through them. We're going to give our first impressions of them, our thoughts, whether we're going to actually see these movies, and our thoughts on them, and move on. But the movie studios, they pay big bucks for that. Oh, yeah. Well, 30-second commercial, $3 million. Oh, my gosh. $3 million. They can put that in my podcast for 30 seconds, in my opinion. But So here's uh, the first one is Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Ties, of course, with Johnny Depp. This is Pirates of the Caribbean 4. You could guide an expedition. You are Jack Sparrow. There should be a captain in there somewhere. There's the Jack I know. There'll be dangers along the way. Firstly, mermaids. Zombies. Blackbeard. The pirate all pirates fear. Captain, I wish to report a mutiny. I can name fingers and point names. Perfect. Steady as he goes. We're falling behind. Back to the bitter end. Bring the mermaid. You're killing her. I'm a bad man. Is that it? I think so. Miles. Your thoughts. We are now at Pirates 4. You know, what is it with Hollywood? I mean, uh, they, they, they just figure they get more cash out of this cash cow. Um, it's just, uh, I was joking, I was joking with my students that Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, Johnny Depp will be doing this in a walker in a few years. <laughs> but, uh, will like, I go see it in the theaters? Probably. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what? I might. This actually looks good. I mean, we, we no longer do we have uh, what, Keira Knightley. We don't have Orlando Bloom in it. Mm-hmm. We have a slightly different cast. It means it's going to have a slightly different feel. We're going to have Blackbeard. I mean, come on. The iconic pirate himself in this. And mermaids. And mermaids. You can't go wrong with mermaids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, come mm-hmm. on. <laughs> um, and so, you know, Johnny Depp certainly carries these movies. Yeah, I, I, this is, I mean, this may even be better than the, the last two movies, uh, that they did. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure my wife and I will go see it. You heard it here first on the Sci-Fi Diner that this movie is going to be better than the last two Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I said it might. <laughs> <laughs> Miles, I'm we're well, taking you at your word. It's, so. it's truth. It's gospel. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, so that's Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know if I will see it in theaters. Mm-hmm. I may wait. You know, it depends. If you con me into going, maybe I'll go. Okay. I don't know. Maybe, can I take my daughter? Maybe. All right. Well, this is um, another one. This is Super 8, and this is a 
Abram Spielberg mashup, Super 8. Okay. So uh, we obviously are huge fans of Abrams oh, from course. Fringe and uh, many sure. of his other shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let me go ahead and play this trailer for Super 8. Someone was telling me they saw aliens in this. Did you see any aliens in that? All I saw was lots of stuff blow up, but for no apparent reason. Hey, there's no... I'll go see things blow up. I'll hmm. pay to see it. I love the shot where the train car's whirling around towards you. It was a cool shot. I give it that. But um, um, unless... I, I need to know a little bit more before I'm gonna pluck nine dollars go see it in the movie. So, so you need a you need a better trailer, basically. Oh my yes, yes. It is kind of you know the trailer. I remember the trailer coming out. I don't know what movie I was seeing. They they aired in trailer before that movie about Super Eight. This is last summer. It didn't tell us a whole lot. And while this certainly tells us a little bit more of a story. I still feel like there's a lot I don't know about this movie that I need to know. And, of course, I guess I could look up some other news on it. I'm sure I could find it out. But from the trailer alone, I'm not getting enough to think to maybe say I'm going to go see this in the theater. Yeah, that's where I'm at. So theater, no. Rental, maybe. Yeah. At this point, maybe that's where we're at. This is not really a sci-fi movie, but I threw it in here because I'm a huge fan of the franchise, and that's a Fast and Furious movie. So have you watched any of the Fast and Furious movies? No. No, you haven't. No. This is, I'm gonna play this one anyway, so just bear with me, Miles, and, um, <clears throat> this is Fast Five. It's a, it's a fifth one in the franchise. Talk about milking a franchise to death like Pirates of the Caribbean. They even bring back Vin Diesel. Okay. The men we're after are professional runners. Don't ever let them get in the car. We just jumped to the top of the wanted list. We gotta keep running. Running ain't freedom. You're going down, Toretto. Big mistake. So, uh, I mean, notables in that. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, probably the big thing. Vin Diesel, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, Paul Walker is in that as well. He's, um, I think that's his name. Is that the guy's actor's name? Uh, or is that his character's name? I don't remember, but he's in it. Uh, and so that's kind of cool. You see some, you see some, uh, Dwayne Johnson's probably the big guy that's in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than Vin Diesel. Mm-hmm. Vin Diesel has not done a heck of a lot recently. Not, no, I mean, uh, he did, he did, I guess the last Fast and Furious. He, he made an appearance. Was, it, was that Tokyo Drift? Was that the one? I, 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 you know better than I would. Oh, I, I have watched all of them. Okay. You know what, you know what they are? They are great action treadmill movies. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. Um, not great scripting. You go there to see fast cars drive and maybe beautiful women around mm-hmm. and and some great action. And you go there to see Vin Diesel. Hmm. So I mean, he is. He's 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 a. I, I like Vin Diesel. Liked him in Pitch Black. I loved him in uh, a lot of the other movies he's done. So mm-hmm. I did not see him in Babylon AD. But no, I haven't either. 
But uh, that might be, maybe I should put that in my next list to you. Some people will tell me, don't do it. Well, this one I know that you're excited about, Captain America. Yeah, as soon as I saw. You saw the trailer, not the Super Bowl, but you did see the trailer, mm-hmm. and we obviously are excited about this. Let's, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to play this trailer and then talk a little bit about why we're excited about this movie. Whatever happens, stay who you are. Not just a soldier. But a good man. How do you feel? Taller. What do you think? I think it works. Yeah, I'm stoked. I am too. I mean, this... This looks very impressive, and um, Tommy Lee Jones is in it. Tommy, see, yeah, see that shot of him there. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen him, and he's—I know he's been doing a lot of directing. People said, and Men in Black uh, Three is going to be coming out sometime. I know mm-hmm. there's rumors of that, so we'll see him again. But I like to see him in there. And the guy who played um, uh, the Torch from uh, Fantastic Four, Chris Evans, I guess he—he's he's Captain America. That's right. So they kill him off in the Fantastic Four, and then bring in the him comics. back. In the, yeah, yeah bring, bring him back in Captain America, right? So he won't be doing any Fantastic Four movies, but at least he'll have Captain America. Yeah, hey, and um, maybe he's a better fit for Captain America. I don't know. It looked cool. The suit looks great. The suit looks great. I, I like the idea that it takes place during the 40s during World War II. Um, I kind of like the sort of, kind of like the pyramid, period period You pieces. almost have to, because you put him in modern society, the idea of a Captain America doesn't really fit. It seems kind of cartoonish, maybe by today's standards, but that's how, that's, I mean, it, it's an origins movie, so it's, uh, but I mean, he does come to the present, but it's just, they'll, they'll, they'll deal with that in the movie. Yeah, so they, does he come to the present in the movie? That on They almost have to, if he's gonna be a part of the Avengers. Right, I mean, uh, maybe, maybe they'll show how he's, uh, well, I'm not giving away any spoilers. In the, in the Captain America genre, uh, he falls into a, you know, uh, ice cold water and, and freezes and, and then he gets revived in the future or present day. But because of what they, the, the, this drug they had given him in the forties that, that kept him, you know, that's why, that's how he was able to survive all that time. Right. Well, very cool. We're excited about this movie. So that's a yes. We will see that in the theaters. That'll be cool. Another one, of course, we are excited about is Thor. Let's watch that trailer now. This also aired and some new trailers with some new footage. Whoever wields this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. Who are you? You'll see soon enough. God, I hope you're not crazy. Go ahead, Miles. Um, yeah, I think I'll want to see this in theaters. Definitely see it in theaters. Mm-hmm. I don't need to see it in 3D. Is it in 3D? Probably. But I, but I, I don't need to see it in 3D. But I, I'm excited about this one, definitely. It plays in, this one also plays into the Avengers series, right? 
Oh, oh yes, yeah. That, Thor's definitely. one of the Avengers, yeah. Anthony Hopkins is in it. I love Anthony Hopkins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been appreciating him as an actor. Natalie Portman, of course. And George Kirk. I mean, not George Kirk. The, the actor who played George yeah, Kirk, yeah. Yeah, certainly in it. He's in it as Thor. So some good notable actors in there. I'm excited so about Ma- this. So Marvel's got two... Uh uh, movies this year. Two movies coming out, yeah, and one next summer is The Avengers, mm-hmm. is that right? So we're gonna see everyone combined, and that'll be very, very cool. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this. This movie's definitely one that I'll, I'll plop down nine bucks to see it, ten mm-hmm. bucks to see it. Um, if it's, uh, if it comes to the IMAX, maybe I'll even pay a little bit more to see it there. Now Miles, I'm gonna be very honest with you. When I saw the trailer for Transformers Dark of the Moon mm-hmm. that I showed you, the one that takes place on the moon? Right. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. This trailer doesn't quite do as much. I think it's because Charlotte Booth is in it. <laughs> you don't Honestly, care for him, do you? I don't, I don't. I'm not a fan of his. But here's the, here's the trailer. Let's play it, and then we'll talk about it. What stands out to you in this trailer? Uh, Optus Prime with uh, with a jetpack and wings. Yep, and uh, one of them with a sword. Yeah, yeah, I think he he's the one with the sword. He's the one, uh, and uh, looks like there was a robot pterodactyl. I don't know if they're bringing the Dinobots into the movie. Maybe they will. And they, the one that looked like a snake, kind of going through the city too. Mm-hmm. Um, totally different trailer than than the teaser that we saw earlier. Right. I mean. Cool action scenes. I got, I'm going to give it that, but honestly, we've seen this this stuff before. Well, so they they really do have to bring it up a notch. They have to bring it to a new level, or is it going to be the same old, same old? I'm hoping it's stronger on story than than necessarily the, uh, and hopefully not as cheesy mm-hmm. in some of those scenes. Yeah, hopefully they killed off those two sidekick robots. Oh, they were annoying. They were they were the worst thing that they could do. Michael Bay, come on. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know. I did, you know, I did see Transformers in the theater. Will I see it in the theater? There's a good chance I'm going to try and make it. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I've seen the other two in the theaters and there's really no reason not to. No, I mean, it's, you want to see it on a big screen. Yeah. These, uh, because no matter how, whether you love or hate the movies, the Transformers are cool machines. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And the, and Michael, Michael Bay and Steven Spielberg's kind of producing this. So this is a good thing. He's, he's behind, his name's behind it. Well, like I said, you know, you talked about the trailers. I mean, uh, seeing the first trailer has made me more interested. If I would have seen the second trailer, I would have been like, eh. But now that, we, but they, but when they showed the first trailer, them finding one on the moon back in the late sixties, that, that, that that's the me. one that that's the one that got me interested. This trailer doesn't do anything for me, but that trailer made me want to go see it. Yeah, definitely. And that's probably like the first scene in the movie, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Well, Battle LA, we talked about in our last show, and they did air the commercial, and I thought we'd play the commercial here, see if they show you anything new that maybe you didn't see before, Miles, and then we can comment whether we are seeing this one in the theater. We now know that meteors will land off the coast. Evacuations are now underway. It appears that there's some shadowy figures. Lucas, if you could just come back, please. When you invade a place for its resources... Population. Right now, 
we are being colonized. Well, it's a different trailer than the one I saw, but you still don't really see the aliens or the alien ships. They're kind of shadowed in a way. They're kind of shrouded. Not in the theaters for me. Yeah, I, I this the, if I see it, it's something I'll probably rent. Yep, unless when it comes out, reviews are stellar for it, and I say, you know what, I gotta see it in the theaters. Not not a theater movie for me. Definitely a rental. I could see this as a rental, but I'm not gonna drop. I mean, I'll Netflix it before I do anything. Yeah, I'm 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 there too. Yep. So definitely not one I'm gonna see in the theater, and I'm not there. Cowboys and aliens. That's another story. Let's look at this trailer. This trailer does give us a little bit more information than what we saw before. Jake Lonergan, I'm gonna need you to come with us. I want to see it. Yeah, I think um, th- this one. This one has me more interested. Maybe a matinee. Yeah, I maybe save a little money. <laughs> save a little money. It looks interesting. Mm-hmm. Cowboys and aliens, and that's exactly what it is. Cowboys fighting aliens. Mm-hmm. But you know, Harrison Ford looks good. Mm-hmm. Daniel Craig looks good, and you know, director of Iron Man. You can't go wrong with this movie. Um, it's bound to be some good action at the very least. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about another trailer that appeared in the Super Bowl, and this one's called Limitless. Now, I was unaware of this um, movie that was even coming out, but it does have De Niro in it. And uh, let's take a look at what it's about and then talk about whether we're going to actually check this out. See that guy? That's me. My excuse for looking like this? I'm a writer. Eddie, maybe it's time to let the writing go. But just in case you think nothing ever happened to me. Eddie Mora! Hey! Tell me about this book. Well, how much have you written on it? Not one word. Well, I suppose I can help you with that. You know how they say that we can only access 20% of our brain? This lets you access all of it. They've had clinical trials and it's FDA approved. I just had a curiosity and that's all. I was blind, but now I see. A tablet a day, and I was limitless. I now had cultural appetites. Since when do you speak Italian? I finished my book in four days. I'd like to renegotiate my advance. Math became useful. From 12,000 to 2.3 million in 10 days. I'm baffled by this guy. So, Eddie Mora, you do know you're a freak. What's your secret? Medication. Your powers are a gift from God or whoever the hell wrote your life script. I'll open up a line of credit for you. You'll be wanting a few toys. How many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? What's the asking price? 12.5. I'll take it. Everything I have, I want to share with you. What you doing, hon? You think somebody's watching? My brain is skipping time. I have no memory of the last four days. I'm living in a 21st century, doing something mean to it. Your powers are not earned. You're careless with those powers. Have you asked yourself what you're going to do when you run out? You'll die. No 
No scenario in which you'd lead this life where you don't work for me. No scenario. I see every scenario. I see 50 scenarios. That's what it does, Carl. It puts me 50 moves ahead of you. Worth the risk? What would you do? Interesting premise. Interesting premise, but uh, it kind of reveals... You know the end. You know, almost the end at the end of the trailer. You know, this is a, this is one we were talking to. Uh, you know, Dylan, Dylan. Uh, you know, earlier when we recorded an interview with him, we're going to bring you that interview with um, pieces of series a little bit later on. But we were saying, you know, we hate trailers; they give away too much. Mm-hmm. And this two and a half minute trailer gives away just a little bit too much for us. Right. I do like the premise. Oh, I do too. And is it a movie I will see? I might rent it, and mm. if the reviews are stellar, that might urge me enough to get me to theaters. Matinee, maybe, but definitely DVD. Mm-hmm. Well, how are you feeling about that, Miles? I'll wait to see, wait to hear what other people think before I um, but decided. Right, but right now, you're thinking DVD. DVD at the most. I'm not, you know. So maybe not even DVD for you. Yeah, because I, I don't know. I just kind of think. You kind of see where it goes at the end. I mean, yeah. Oh, uh, we'll see. Here's the last trailer we're going to play tonight, and this one aired during the uh, Super Bowl, and this was Priest, and this was, we heard a little bit about this, and it's about Don Bender. Well, no, no, no it's not. <laughs> but this is, this is Priest, based on the comic book, I believe. I come before you because this was a vampire attack. There is no vampire menace. That's a lie. If you take any action, you will be stripped from the order. One of your own has broken his sacred vow. Bring him back. George alive. It looks interesting. This one, um, more interesting to me than, than Limitless does. Uh, yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit underworldish. Yes. A little bit. A little mm-hmm. bit like Underworld. And is that Ian McKellen I saw in there? Uh, I think, no, I think it's Christopher Plummer. Christopher, uh, he looks a little bit like him, but Christopher mm-hmm. Plummer, excellent actor. Oh yeah, yeah, he's been yeah, done. So done I, stuff. And, um, I love this whole idea. Mm-hmm. I love this whole idea. I, I'm liking it. I, I might, I might, give me the right crowd, I'm in, I'm in the theater to see this. I'm at the, the, the very least I'll probably, I'll wait to rent it. Yeah, yeah. So wait to rental for you, but mm-hmm. go to theater for me. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like, movies this summer. You got to pick and choose. You, you do, and that and that's for sure. I mean, if we had all unlimited resources, it might change our opinions a little bit. Let us know which of these movies that we just mentioned you are going to see, and which ones you're anticipating. But I think that's pretty good. Well, we are going to move into our interview with Nick Marsh, and I think we're just going to go right into the interview that I do with him. I know that you were not a part of that interview because of when we. When we filmed it or when I filmed it, I guess, when we, when we recorded it, we weren't mm-hmm. filming it. Um, before we do that, I do want to bring you a, a second um, a second promo that I'm going to play here. And this promo is for the Tuning Into Sci-Fi. I know we brought it last week, but I want to play it again. Their top 100 genre shows of all time. And 
It's excellent because, you know, a lot of these shows are what we watch, or some of them I've never even heard of. And to oh. hear their perspectives on it, hear clips of the shows, some of the shows I'm saying, ooh, I want to I want to watch this. And, and some of them are like, well, there's no way I'm watching that one. <laughs> so, but it's just, uh, it gives some good good shows. And I believe they're about show 50. So they have another 50 shows. They're counting down the top 50. And here's a promo for that. There is nothing wrong with your television set. Sarah Jane Smith. How do you do, Miss Smith? You're the Slayer, and we're like... The Slayerettes. Gentlemen, I suggest you beam me aboard. Chevron 7 locked. Right now, I can't hold it. She's breaking up. She's breaking up. You are the one who was. By your command. Oh, boy. Found me dead. Bite my shiny metal ass. Because you are the true seeker. If someone ever tries to kill you, you try to kill him right back. <laughs> I am not a number. I am a free man. Michael, I thought I'd never see you again. Missed it by that much. Then try to tell yourself, wherever you may be, it couldn't happen here. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to the top 100 genre television shows of all time, as voted by you, the fans. Check out the countdown at tuningintosci-fi-tv.com. Ladies and gentlemen, here at the Sci-Fi Diner, we often talk about the UK television shows such as Being Human, Torchwood, and Doctor Who that make their way into our living rooms. What we don't often mention is novels that many times have the same transcendence. We have one such author with us tonight. His work has been called A Delight to Read by Sci-Fi Online, a fascinating tale that is wonderful to read by TCM, and a shocker that is fast, funny, and exciting. We are delighted to be speaking with Nick Marsh, author of the Conduit Sequence Trilogy. Mr. Marsh, welcome, and thank you so much for taking time to speak with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Not at all, Scott. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Oh, yeah. Well, it's awesome. Well, first things first, tell me about this vicious killer of a cat you have named Vienna. Uh, <laughs> Vienna, she's a... Well, as you may or may not know, I'm, I'm a vet. I trade veterinary surgeon, not combat veteran. Um, <laughs> and... In my first week of practice, I didn't have any pets, and a cat was dumped on the uh, the practice doorstep giving birth, kittening. And so, of course, all the kittens were rehomed very quickly. Everyone loved them. And foolishly, I listened to the nurses when they said they felt sorry for the mother. So I rescued her in lieu of going on holiday to Vienna, Hence the name. And she has, she's never forgiven us. She's, she, she's what I would call a semi-feral cat. Nice. We once, um, long ago, when we were living out in the middle of the country, we um, heard a scraping at the door, went and opened the door to find a pair of eyes sitting on the doorstep that Vienna had nicely dissected, I think, out of a rabbit. Oh, I hope nice. it was <laughs> I know so. Um, I hope it was Vienna that put them there, actually, because it could have been. <laughs> Some evil cult somewhere, but <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that, that's the kind of cat Vienna is. <laughs> nice. Now uh, we mentioned this just a little bit before the show. My daughter would love your three horses. What is it? Emily, Sophie, and Boy? She recently Emily's got a pony, uh, Bella Noel, for Christmas. So you, but you said you aren't really the horse person of the family. Uh, my wife is the horse person of the family. I have, uh, I have ridden, though. I, I find there's certain aspects of the male anatomy that make riding <laughs> a bit painful. Oh, yeah. so I, uh, I might not be doing it right, but I um, 
so I don't tend to ride, but I do occasionally get the job of uh, of mucking out the horses. <laughs> right. They're nice enough horses, but I, I don't know. They're an animal that can already kick you through a wall, and then oh, someone yeah. had a bright idea of attaching iron boots to the bottom of them. So I'm always a little bit wary. Okay. Oh man, yeah, I, w- I would say so. And is she also the one that got you into your dogs? Oh yeah, yeah. Kerry had. Um, we have two rescue greyhounds. Um, well, a lurcher and a greyhound. And Kerry was the one that, that got me into greyhounds. They're, they're lovely pets. They just lie about all day. Um, so I tend to look after the dogs and walk the dogs and um, pick up their poo. And she does the same for the horses. <laughs> there's a there's a whole poo theme running through everything. Yeah, on, about. this interview is going dangerously scatological. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's no. not deliberate. No, no, definitely not. Uh, so your wife is the one that really got you into all your pets. For Vienna, yeah, yeah, she's not keen on Vienna. She's no. got her own cat now, yeah, so we, nice. we we have our own cats. Well, um, you know, we, it's no accident we're talking about pets with your veterinary background a little bit. Talk about the um, now. I saw on your on your blog or your website that um, that James Alfred Wright, who most of us know as James Harriet, had a huge yes. influence in your life. Tell me about that influence. Well, um, I guess. Uh, I, I would pin James Herriot's influence down. Actually, funnily enough, that's probably where my science fiction influence started as well because uh, my parents used to take me on, uh, me and my brother, on long planned out holidays around Germany. They lasted about three weeks, which is forever if you're a kid. Right. <laughs> and they, they involved an awful lot of my mum and dad pulling over in a lay-by on an autobahn, getting out maps and shouting at each other. So there was quite a lot of awkward silences and uh, plenty of time to read, let's put it that way. Um, so I used to take a big stack of books with me on these holidays. And I think probably there were two books that hit me at quite an impressionable age. Um, I, I don't know why they hit me quite so hard on on that holiday. Perhaps it was a particularly extensive argument <laughs> between my mum and dad. But um, the, one of those books was called um, Every Living Thing, which was by James Herriot, um, about his life being a vet in the Yorkshire Dales in the 40s and 50s and 60s. Um, Oh, it's just beautifully written. It's, it's so evocative. It's so lovely. It's so funny that I read it and I thought, wow, that's it. Well, there we are. That's what I want to do. I want to be a vet. Um, and the other book that I read when I was uh, on this holiday was called Deathwing Over Vena, which was about, by Douglas Hill, I think, which was about an indestructible alien mercenary from the planet Moros. Um, and so I read that and thought, brilliant, excellent. That's, that's what I want to do. Um, Growing up, I discovered it's generally easier nowadays to become a vet than an indestructible alien mercenary from the planet. <laughs> yeah. So I, I picked the marginally easier of the two career paths. <laughs> I guess that's kind of a flippant way of saying that, that those loves have always been with me in my life. I'm, I, I am unusual amongst vets in that I'm also uh, a geek, I suppose. Um, so it's, uh, but I, I always have been really. Star Wars, of course, caught me at quite an impressionable age too. So uh, it, it, those two influences have been with me through my life. Yeah, and you know, James Harriet does a really good job with just you know taking situations that to really tell there, there's there's a significance to them, but then also he makes them funny. I, I think of the um, yes two two of the stories that st- come to mind with James Harriet are the uh, the story where he's in um, trying to treat this bull and this bull pins him up against his 
the side of it, this pen and yep. the pen up, ends up breaking and it's hilarious to the daughter. And it's just one of these stories that just really sticks with you. That and the, the story of the parrot that he ends up killing and replacing her. Like <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's, um, there's also what I, th- I think I remember one that always stands in my mind is a, is a sort of old Yorkshire bloke going in trying to explain that is, problem his, his dog has a problem with his waterworks and the only way he can say is to say well oh, you've got a problem with his pencil mr Harriet. and you know it's it's um it, it's it's um it's that kind of humor and it's also what i discover when you become a vet it doesn't seem quite so funny when it's actually happening to you all these situations i've been in similar ones myself and you flip back and read james Harriet then and it sounds very whimsical and funny but not not quite so funny when you're on the receiving end of it no. but yeah, the, the stories are amazing and the, the way he wrote them just well you could probably if you read them yourself you probably yeah. tell one i fell in love with them there well you know it, it really uh he really pulls the humor out of the situations but he yes. had he had to do that in retrospect i'm sure when he was right in those situations he was not laughing yeah. I, believe, um, I believe he had a nervous breakdown himself but i, I could be wrong oh. about that. <laughs> well I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me but uh well that that's awesome and i was one of the questions i was going to ask you and you kind of answered this already but how does one going be, go from being a veterinary surgeon which i think is your specialty right you tend to be a veterinary surgeon is that right Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I tend, but as a as a vet, we do surgery as well. Um, okay. My wife is uh, is keener on the surgery aspect. That that she's always she always quotes the mantra to cut is to cure. Um, <laughs> I, I'm actually keener on the medicine side of things. I think that's slightly more intelligent. Yeah. You could literally train a monkey to do surgery. Or sorry, tell my wife. But, <laughs> but right, we right. Well, so how did you make the leap? or the decision to say, okay, I'm in veterinary science, working with animals, I want to write a science fiction novel. I want to write a, a piece of science fiction. How did, how, how did you make, I mean, and, the, and you know, not only to say yeah. science fiction, you, uh, it's been classified, you know, as kind of a James Harriet meets the X-Files by way of Douglas Adams, at least according to some of what I've seen written about it. Um, yeah. I understand the James Harriet, but, but the meets the X-Files meets the Douglas Adams. Tell me about that. Well, it started as escapism and just wanting to write. It's a bit of a shock to the system when you actually become a vet because university is a very social place and you're out a lot and you're meeting a lot of people. Then you become a vet and you're suddenly sort of up against the public. That's a horrible way of putting it, but you're suddenly faced with a whole new set of stratagems. So it's quite a shock to the system. I guess it's a bit like... um Taking, learning to take your driving test and then suddenly having to learn to drive afterwards because you realize you, you didn't quite realize what it all involved. Um, and so there were a lot of nights, because the hours are very long as well, there are a lot more sort of lonely nights, that makes it sound dreadful, but there, there were a lot more nights, quieter nights than I was used to. Um, and so I found, funnily enough, even though I was busy, I had more free time on my own. So I think writing, which had kind of been, I've always written a bit, but it kind of went on hold at university, uh, came about from suddenly having quieter evenings. Um, and so I started writing, I guess, what you would class as a James Herriot novel, but me being me, things like aliens and, and, and zombies and that sort of thing kind of crept in at the edges. So it's um, it, it just sort of naturally... It doesn't sound very natural, but it just sort of naturally went towards a science fiction story. Oh. Um, it's just the way my brain works. <laughs> very cool. Now, you mentioned Doug Hill as being obviously one of the early influences for you, mm. and obviously James Harriet. Uh, what are your yes. other influences in uh, science fiction and fantasy in particular? 
Um, well, I did, uh, I used to be a role player, so, um, I read Lord of the Rings at quite an early age, and then got into Dungeons and Dragons, that sort of thing, from, so fantasy, I've, I've read a, a fair bit of it, I've actually not read a lot of fantasy for a while, um, but I did read, um, A Game of Thrones last year, which I thought was absolutely amazing. Are you, um, re- you ready for the TV series? Oh, absolutely. Well, that's why I read it. Cause <laughs> I thought I want to read it before I see the TV series. But that's kind of an aside. I wouldn't really cite that as an influence. Um, right. My uh, my influence is probably more well British humour. I suppose would be one of them. You know, I grew up with um, you know the classic Monty Python and the Two Ronnies and Red Dwarf, which was one of my favourite shows when I was uh, as younger. Doctor Who, of course, Doctor Who. Um, Peter Davison was a vet on the television version of. Um, of all creatures great and small, which would James Herriot wrote. Okay. So to me, he was the ultimate. He was a vet who was also Doctor Who. So oh, that, nice. that was amazing. So that was, uh, that was an influence. Um, and of course, Douglas Adams is a big influence on my work. Um, that, that, um, he, he, just an amazing writer. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Just absolutely love it. Um, so, you know, th- that would be a large influence as well. On the on the film side, of course, as I say, Star Wars caught, had me at hello, really. Right. Not the early films, of course, not the ones we don't talk about anymore. Right, right. Um, the, the original, the, the original, three. the original trilogy. <laughs> um, well, absolutely amazing. Um, and of course, I wanted to be Han Solo, and it would just um, uh, so so. It, it's kind of a mishmash of cultural influences, but I think British humour probably plays more of a part than anything um, in all that. Right. Right. Well, that's that that that's awesome, and uh, you know you know that Douglas Adams originally had an influence in the name of our podcast here because if you go back into the earliest uh, archives of our podcast, we were called Dining at the End of the Universe, which was oh, a, really? which, which was an homage to the restaurant at the end of the universe. But, Absolutely. So, but anyways, so so we mentioned um, um, you know the influence. Let's talk a little bit about some of your work. You have two books out. I, I know that you've written more than this because there's been blogs, there's been yeah. some uh, the Infocom games and and some other fantasy stuff that you've done. Well, you have two books yeah. out in the Conduit series. Tell us a little yeah. bit about them. What is the premise of these novels? Uh, well, the, the basic premise is that the the central character Alan, who is a, a vet, um, of course. Um, is uh, on for, on one of his nighttime calls is um is influenced to to an extent where he unexpectedly becomes what's called the conduit and the conduit though Alan doesn't fully understand it himself and constantly tries to avoid thinking about it and being it is a link between our world and the shadowy other world beyond um possibly the spirit world though Alan tries to avoid it enough that it's not entirely clear quite what that world is. So he becomes a link, and that, as he discovers later on in the novels, is something that kind of naturally occurs on on planets, and the conduit is is a vitally important piece of the planet's defences from attacks from, from this other world, but... Alan is perhaps not the best material to become this conduit. So it's, it's really the story of um, the consequences behind that that one call. And, and the first the first novel is about that, and the second novel um, moves into different territory because I wanted to write a time travel book. Ah, uh, so it kind of so so so. But in saying that, you know, so, so can you read the second novel apart from the first, or really does it build in such a way that you really should read the first to have a good basis for what's going on in the second? 
I, I hope that the second novel explains it well enough that they'd stand up independently. I, I think they probably do. Certainly people who've read the second without the first follow what's going on quite easily. Um, so, no, you don't have to. Um, the, the first novel is a standalone story and the second is two. So I suppose it's similar... I suppose that might be where the X-Files influence comes in and that it's quite episodic, but it, it helps to know the first story, but it is certainly not necessary. It certainly gives you a background, I would think, of the characters and yes. you know, how he became the conduit and everything else that you don't. Because right now, you know, I, I'm partway through Past Tense, and, uh, yes. and, and as I've been reading it, you know, I don't necessarily know where he got this, but you see him shifting between the two realms or the two worlds and... You know, and yes. his seemingly inability to control that at this point. Yes. Is, is that a fair assessment of it? He doesn't... Yeah, he I think he that's he a fair assessment. He can't really control that at this point. No, and he, he doesn't really want to try, though. He okay. keeps getting forced into positions where he has to. Right, right. So, you know, you know, interesting, interesting premise for it. And, uh, and, um, well, let me ask you this. So, how has your, your, how has your veterinarian life made its way into, into these novels? Um, well, mainly because Alan, the, the central character, is a vet, and because um, because of that, I, c- I can write a little bit about the sort of stresses and strains of everyday life. Um, partially, I, I wrote it because I felt I was moaning a lot about how hard work it is to be a vet. So I wanted Alan to be an extension of that, to be someone who, who really continually moans about what wrong time he's having, and then. I wanted to put him in a position where he realised actually there were a lot worse things that could happen to you than you know having a decent job and, and uh, working in a in a profession where you help people, um, and so that, that's how I get that sort of philosophy across. Um, and because Alan is a vet, I can put him in positions which have occasionally happened to me as well. Yeah, where does the um, where did the idea for sole purpose and past tense come from? I mean, the stories themselves, this idea of the conduit. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think uh, my the first novel, um, Alan is called out on on a night call to um, to a frightened farmer who isn't sure what's going on. And when he gets there, he discovers that a cow has given birth to a transparent calf, completely transparent, so he can see right the way through it, and he can't understand what's going on or, or how this thing can be alive. And that was the image that I, I thought of at first. Um, I probably thought of it in the middle of the night driving out to a, to a call. I suspect I did, but that was the image I started with and then kind of had to explain what was going on. So the, the, that's the way I went, that this, this encounter led to Alan becoming the conduit because there is a problem in the other world. Um, so it, it's really an explanation of that first image I have and, uh, and everything else has grown sort of naturally from there. Uh, well, it, well, and that's very X Files to kind of drop an image like that in, and then explain yes. how this comes from the rest of the episode. If you want to argue the X Files uh, connection, I guess a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it's a it's a good sort of opening. It draws you in, and then, but of course, then you have to explain what's going on. Oh, later of course, on. like you know, why do we have a transparent cow here? Yeah. So, well, that's that's quite an evocative uh, image, you know, to see that whole that that whole image of a transparent cow. So very cool. Um, makes you want to go back and read the first book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, 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 I've done my job. <laughs> <laughs> so earlier in the interview, we, we called this, I, I called, I guess, in the introduction, the series a trilogy. Will we be seeing another book in the series 
And what eventually, you, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I'm actually working on a different novel at the moment, but I do plan to return to the the conduit sequence. Well, well I, I guess I've called it a sequence because I'm not 100 percent sure whether it will be a trilogy or whether it will carry on from there. But trilogy is often a sort of a fairly natural way of bringing a story to a close. So it may be, <laughs> it, it may not. It may not. It may continue on if there's, there's inspiration beyond it. So, yes. so you're working on another novel outside the trilogy. Tell us, can you tell us anything about that without spoiling too much? Well, I think ideas are sort of delicate little embryos, so I, right. I don't want to say too much and damage it. But I think it's probably fair to say this is, um, I wanted to write a first person perspective novel. Um, and I suppose the inspiration behind the style would be Dracula, which is written in the form of diaries of the principal characters. I wanted to try something along those lines. Um, and, um, I wanted, I suppose partly, because of that, I wanted to write it in a time when diaries were more popular. So it's actually a kind of pulpy horror story. Hopefully that's that horror is probably a bit strong, but a, a pulpy adventure set in the 1920s uh, on the Orient Express. But that's probably enough to be getting on with. Okay, so that, that gives at least an idea. And when are you, when are you hoping to have this book out? Well, I, um, I'm probably about halfway through the first draft at the moment. So, okay, so we have a little maybe bit. next year, maybe the year after, something like that. All right. All right. Yeah, because it is, you know, again, it is a part time. It's not like you're writing full time. No. So, no. so absolutely. Well, what did, um, with some of our listeners, I know, um, you know, dabble in writing their own fiction, their own sci fi, their own science fiction and fantasy work. Yes. Um, any advice for for people that are maybe getting into it or now that you have two novels kind of under your belt, any advice that you have for them that I can maybe pick your brain and give to them? Well, absolutely. I mean, it is it, it is very difficult to get published nowadays. More difficult now than I think when I first got published. Um, I, I guess my advice would be probably the advice everyone gives, which is just persevere and practice. You, like anything, you get better at it with practice, and the more you write, the more you get a feel for it. Um, I try and write in a way, I hope it comes across, that it's fairly sort of conversational and quite easy to read but my, my feeling is um the writing really shouldn't get in the way of the story so if you stop and sort of admire or consider a piece of writing you've slightly slowed the story down so that's the way i try and write um my writing style is i don't know light-hearted is it is a terrible way of putting it but it, it's kind of on the, uh tries to take a sort of a wry look at it um but i think you've got to find your own style um Early on in my career, I think I was too much trying to be Douglas Adams, but the, the more you write, the more you move away from that and find your own groove and style. So practice is, is yeah. I guess, would be the, the, the biggest answer. Well, you know, as far as getting, go, go uh, sorry, as far as getting published, that's, uh, that's another thing entirely, really. I think you've just got to persevere and, and, and keep trying. Yeah, make the right connections, open the right doors. Connections very helpful. Well, you, well, you know, uh, well, you said that you were trying to mimic Douglas Adams. I think of, you know, many, many authors and many, um, and when you, I mean, I think art in general tends to start out with mimicry and, yes, and, yeah. and, and, you, and you kind of move into your own voice as you write more and you get exposed to other things and you learn other things. And I think that it kind of, you do develop your voice out of maybe starting at that place of mimicry a little bit. Yeah, I think it's a good place to start and then find what you find more comfortable with. Yeah, that's certainly what I found. Right, right. Thanks, Nick, for coming on the show. Can you tell our listeners how they can find out more about you and 
where they can pick up a copy of these two books. Uh, I would be very happy to. Um, my website has got most of the information, which is www.nick-marsh.co.uk. Um, and that's got links to Amazon, uh, where you get Amazon.com, where you can get sole purpose and past tense. Um, it's also available as an ebook, sole purpose at uh, smashwords.com. I think it's a .com. Um, and I also have a blog. Um, the the uh, the name of which escapes me at the moment, but there is a link on my website to it. Okay, very cool. And and this is the uh, is this a blog about you being a vet? Yeah, I decided I wanted to, having written something which turned into more science fiction, I did want to write something just about the process and the daily life of, uh, and the daily frustrations of being a vet. So the blog is, is very much veterinary orientated. Um, it's certainly got sort of geeky asides, but it, it, it's really about being a vet. Right. Well, and I did want to, I did want to ask one other thing before we go, and that is, you mentioned, we, we, we obviously been talking about sole pur- purpose and past tense. Uh, have you published things prior to these? two novels um i have uh, i've written a few novels um but uh, are not published and probably to be honest are not publishable but i <laughs> you know i keep them around um I, i've written a few things for websites um but but mainly that the the novels are, are what i've written i've also written a few short uh, sort of text adventures as well um but no mainly the novels are what's uh, what's come out from my from my brain all right well very cool well thanks so much for joining us today and for chatting about your books on the sci-fi diner podcast uh, not at all thank you very much for having me scott and keep up the good work it's a great podcast it's the dvd geeks real fans with real opinion Every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Central on FearlessRadio.com. FearlessRadio.com. Remember, scene selection is not a special feature. The DVD Geeks on FearlessRadio.com. For more information, point your web browser to DVDGeeks.tv. Miles. Well, we just heard from Nick Marsh, and of course, the promo that I just got done playing is from DVD Geeks now, mm-hmm. and uh, John Champion and Telemix, and it's good to they, they do some good stuff, and they give us mm-hmm. shutouts. And go ahead, Miles. No, I, I, I'm a I'm a subscriber to DVD Geeks off on iTunes, and uh, yeah, I, I always well, the shows you listen to regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very very cool. Um, we do have a Sci-Fi Five and Five at night, and it is brought to us by none other than Nick Marsh, the author that you just heard interviewed. Cool, and um. He has a sci-fi list for his top five sci-fi movies. And, you know, I know that we've done top five, sci- top five sci-fi movies, if I can speak here, before. But it's always interesting to see, you know, everyone's personal preference in here as mm-hmm. to their top sci-fi movies. And so these – this is um, – and this is in no particular order, I believe. Or I think this might be in a particular order, I believe he said. So uh, let's just run through these and – Miles, I'll start, and then you can do the next one, and so forth down through. Mm-hmm. These are from Nick Marsh. So his first one is Blade Runner. Hmm. No surprise there. We, of course, uh, I watched it twice. Um, 
not a movie that I would necessarily place my number one, but Edward James Olmos, you just can't argue with it. Right, right. He's in it. He's in it. Mm-hmm. And his number two? Yeah, Empire Strikes Back. Um, probably the best Star Wars movie in the whole franchise. Arguably the best. There's certainly a lot of people that debate saying it is the best, mm-hmm. and um, certainly definitely one of the original trilogy ones. Yeah, and, it, and the next one would be Moon. This is Sam Rockwell's Moon. I did not see it. I, I didn't see this either. I did hear about it, and I was mildly interested, mm-hmm. but I did not see it. So that's his number three. Mm-hmm. His number four? Uh, the Terminator, um, the first one. And um, <laughs> this was definitely a, a groundbreaker. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly was. Arnold, you can't go wrong with Arnold, mm-hmm. right? And Aliens. And I uh, think, can you tell my child of the eighties? Um, so that's that. That was you know, aliens. In obviously, they they were ground, the groundbreaking franchise as well, mm-hmm. as far as that goes. He also gave us his worst five. So he said, "Oh, I don't know. Just insert five Roland Emmerich films, and I'll be happy." Starting with two thousand twelve. What a waste of my life. <laughs> so, so that was his thought. Now, I, you know, arguably, I did like Independence Day. I did like it, but I know I, that we know, do talk about them. I, I, you know, I enjoy these movies for what they are. Yeah. So, but the, he's not a Roland Emmerich fan. So, mm. obviously. Thanks, Nick, for sending those to us and for sharing them with us. Thanks for allowing us to interview you. Miles, I think that's it. All right. Well, it's time to close the diner. So, yeah, uh, shut, until, the, uh, shut the windows, turn the sign. Mm-hmm. Turn off the neon, whatever. Until next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Thank you, I'll be at the Grand Ole Opry tonight.
Sci-Fi Diner podcast. If you want to find out more about the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, please visit SciFiDinerPodcast.com where you can find show news, pictures, videos, and many other things about the Sci-Fi Diner. You can also find Sci-Fi Diner where else, Miles? We have a Facebook fan page, and uh, we have very active discussion going on there between uh, Scott and myself and you, the listeners. So I encourage you, please uh, join our Facebook fan page, and let's talk some sci-fi. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash sci-fi diner. You can find me on Twitter. That's uh, Herzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G. And I am uh, Son of Worf uh, at Twitter, and I also am uh, on uh, Trek Space, uh, Son of Worf at Trek Space. And, Lee, and we want to hear from you. So please email us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com or call our listener line at 1-888-508-4343 and let us know your thoughts of what you're watching, what you like, what you don't like. We want to hear from you. You can find more great podcasts at lifestylepodnetwork.com.au.